0: Today on the Craft Room Podcast, we are going to be talking about craft swaps. This is episode 17. Welcome to the Craft Room Podcast. I'm your host, Dawn Lewis, professional crafter, craft teacher and all-round craft enthusiast. This podcast will help you get great value from your craft supplies and perhaps help you discover new techniques, ideas and products to take your crafting to the next level. There is so much craft to talk about, so let's dive right in. Hello, welcome to The Craft Room Podcast. Today we are talking about craft swaps, as I mentioned, and these have actually been around for a very long time. Personally, I've been doing them for probably 15, 16 years, and today I thought we would talk about what a craft swap is, different styles and types of swaps that you can join, what you can do to be a great swap participant or a great swap host. I'm also going to talk about a few of the pros and cons because when you join a craft swap, there are some things that you need to be aware of. My very first official craft swap was when a friend of mine introduced me to an Australian Yahoo group. Yes, we are talking pre-Facebook. That was called OzSwap Till You Drop. I think I've mentioned it in previous episodes. I loved this group. It was my complete obsession. My homepage, when I turned my computer on, I was so into it. I joined almost every single swap that was on offer. So back then, I had two kids at school. And while, yes, they took up a lot of my time, as kids do... I had time to join in swaps. And that's one of the things that you need to know about craft swaps. They take time. So if you have time on your hands and you're looking to share your handmade creations with someone, maybe a craft swap is for you. In the OzSwap group, we used to swap handmade paper crafting embellishments, things you could use on cards, in your scrapbook albums. We would occasionally swap ATCs, which are artists trading cards, and it was a blast. I remember one year, and I think by then I was actually running the group, we were having two or three swaps every single week, which is quite mind-blowing. There's a lot of time and effort involved in that, and I distinctly remember where it was at its peak, and we were just having the best fun. Around about this time, joining in an online craft swap was a really popular activity, but all of the big groups and swaps that I'd been reading about on the forums online, like two peas in a bucket, oh, there's a blast from the past – they were all based in the USA and shipping overseas for swaps was really expensive and it was a hassle for the host. You had to arrange a PayPal thing for a return post. So to find an Australian group with great hosts and fun swaps and local post was like striking gold. But I don't know if you've noticed this, crafts go in cycles and our scrapbooking cycle really was coming to a bit of an end. As participants in the group, as members, our kids were getting a bit older. And the older kids get, the less photos you take, the less firsts there are to document. And sometimes scrapbooking is just for a little while, not forever. So a lot of us were coming to the end of our scrapbooking run. And one by one, people began to drop out of the group. Facebook began to take over. And then one fateful day, someone hacked my Yahoo account, posted something incredibly inappropriate. My account was closed and sadly, the group was lost. But by then, we were barely doing any swaps and most of us had moved on. However, that group was a very important part of my life. I have so many awesome memories of OzSwap and so many beautiful pieces that maybe one day I'll get around to using in my albums. I swear I am going to go back to scrapbooking. I have a ton of ideas. I also have some amazing friends that I met through that group. And when it comes to swapping, there are a few different styles and AusSwap is an excellent example of a group swap style. Sometimes I still run swaps. They're a little time consuming, but I try and run three or four a year, sometimes cards, sometimes card fronts, sometimes ATCs. If you check over on the blog today, you'll find a link to information for the new swap that's now open for signups for Australian swappers. I will link to that in the show notes as well for you. If you're looking for the full transcript from today and all those details and some pretty pictures and stuff, you can find that at dawnlewis.com.au backslash podcast 17. If you are listening to this later down the road and you think, "Oh, ooh, I'd like to join a swap in Australia – Go check out the link to see if there is a current swap open or coming soon. But the best way to get that information is to sign up for my email newsletter. There's a link for that as well. If there is a swap happening, you bet I am sending an email out to everyone to let them know and it will have the word swap in the title. So that way you can just open the emails that you're interested in. So in a group swap, the host sets the theme and the rules of the swap. They keep everyone on track and they handle every single swap item that is sent in. Everybody who joins up makes multiple identical items, which are packed and sent to the host. The host then swaps everything around, repacks them and sends a fantastic variety pack back to everybody. So there's a few reasons why group swaps are great. Sure, you are making multiple items, but you also receive multiple items from all the different swap participants. And that is fantastic because one of my favorite things about swapping is that I get to see products techniques, colour combinations, and, and things maybe I would never have thought of or heard of before. I actually learned a lot from swapping, and I dare say a lot of other people in swap groups who really participated a lot have done as well. I actually remember my friend Linda. She was an incredibly enthusiastic crafter and a very keen swap participant. I have her very first swap item in my personal collection and her very last swap item, and the difference between them is mind-blowing. She really honed her skills. She was a great swap participant and she became an excellent swap host for us as well. Let's go into a little bit more detail about how a group swap works. The swap host decides on the theme. It might be birthday, Christmas, kids' cards, something like that. Perhaps the swap will focus on a technique, a product or a colour scheme. Whatever the host decides, they're the one who sets down the rules. I'll use my upcoming card front swap as an example. So for this swap, you will make eight card fronts. The measurements will be 10.5 centimetres by 14.8 centimetres so that it fits exactly onto the front of an Australian card base standard size created from A5 Cardstock. And the theme is birthday. So when people sign up, I provide heaps of information. There's a blog post, there's a printable PDF, all the measurements, there's a checklist packing instructions, not only written down, but I have a video that you can watch that shows you how to pack really well as well. A list of items that you need, a large snap lock bag, two envelopes, postage stamps, washi tape, a piece of stiff cardstock, and a little bag for each card front to go into. I'll also list the deadline with some suggested posting dates and some pack and post tips. So I have my swap participants send their swap envelopes to my PO box because my amazing post office staff never bend envelopes. They're safe, they're dry, and I visit the post office every day to send orders anyway. As swap envelopes start arriving, I unpack them, I make sure everything's there, I remove all the pieces with their little bits of tape from the cardboard, and I mark off everyone's names. Then, once they've all arrived, I lay everything out, swap it all around so that everyone receives eight different cards' fronts. In return. Then it's time to tape everything back down, bag it, pack it, and then take it back down to the post office. I have two favourite things about the hosting gig. First one is seeing everybody's gorgeous work. And the second one is the day I hand over all that gorgeous happy mail at the post office. It's fun to send happy mail. Now, That's a group swap. The other style of swap is known as one to one. For this type of swap, you're making one thing to send to one person, and someone else is making one thing to send to you. In this style of swap, the hosting gig is pretty different. The host still sets the theme and the rules, but they also match people up. There's a couple of different ways that I find people are matched for a swap like this. The first is one-on-one where you are paired with someone, you make something for that person and that person makes something for you. The other way it's done is in a trio or a group of four, depending on how the numbers line up. But let's say it's a trio where I'm making something for Tanya, Tanya is making something for Sally and Sally is making something for me. I actually prefer this small kind of grouping method because there's a little bit less pressure When you're making for the person who's making for you, it can be a little bit nerve-wracking. I mean, I get a little nervous anyway because I can't help but wonder if they're going to like what I'm making them, knowing they're making something amazing for me. But doing it in that sort of different way, the little trio way, I don't know, it just takes a little bit of pressure off because you know that the person you're making for isn't actually making for you, they're making for someone else. So I kind of like this one, my mind plays less tricks on me. In one to one, instead of making a bunch of identical things, you're actually only making one thing, sending it to one place. Now, to be fair, in a group swap, you're only sending one envelope to one place, but you're making multiples to put in it. At this point, I think we should talk about how to be a good swap participant because it does lead into talking about some of the pros and cons of being involved in a craft swap. Number one, and there's a reason this is number one, it's very important read the information. The first thing you can do to be a great craft swap participant is to read every single detail the host sends you. Read it, reread it, print it, highlight the important parts, mark dates on your calendar and please follow the instructions. They have been laid down for a variety of reasons and this advice is solid. It doesn't matter if you're in a group swap or a one-to-one swap. This is the same advice for both. For my swaps, I go into a lot of detail and it's not because I have no faith in my swap participants, not at all. It's mostly so that I can save you money on post and keep your gorgeous handmade swap items as safe in transit as possible. I have been involved in swaps for a long time, over a decade and a half. I have posted many a swap and I have hosted many a swap. I've seen how much a swap can cost to post if you don't pack it correctly. The instructions that I send out are going to help you pack your swap in the most efficient way so it doesn't cost you an arm and a leg to post. I used to run heaps of card swaps before Australia Post put the price of stamps up to a dollar each here in Australia. Every card needed to have an envelope included with it, and this made swaps heavy and bulky. And after the stamp price rise, swapping became less affordable, so I made some amendments. For example, now instead of full-size card and envelope, we do card fronts. You make a panel that... It can be stuck onto a card base. It's the ultimate quick card. It is a lot cheaper and a lot more efficient to post. If you have participated in swaps before, you may have noticed each host may have a different way of doing things. This is why it's important to read all of the information carefully. Some hosts may need you to check in and some may be strict with deadlines and others might be more flexible. Number two, communication. If you need to drop out of a swap, if you're going to be late, if you need to change something, just let the host know. You are not in trouble. One of the downsides to being a grown-up is that sometimes life gets in the way of the fun stuff, more often than we would all like, I am sure. There are a few reasons why the host needs to know. If it's a swap that relies on numbers, like an ATC swap, which is a grouping of nine, and someone drops out, a replacement needs to be found. So if you know that you're not going to be able to complete and send your swap on time, let the host know as soon as you realize that so they can put out a call for someone else to join or create pieces themselves to fill that spot. Likewise, if you're going to be late posting, the host needs to know so they can make the call. Do they wait for your swap or not? So while we know stuff happens If every other swap participant has sent their items in on time, it's not really fair to make them wait for the person who hasn't met the deadline. And again, some hosts are going to be very strict about deadlines and others are going to be more flexible. Personally, I'm a little more flexible because stuff happens. If you're in a one-to-one swap and you're making one thing for one person, one person's making one thing for you, if by any chance you need to drop out, you have to let the host know as early as you possibly can one-to-one swaps are kind of a long haul you might have two months to work on your swap and sometimes stuff happens maybe you or a family member get sick there could be a death in the family a change of employment circumstances a breakdown of machinery if you're making a quilt and your sewing machine breaks down you have to get it serviced and that takes time these are all things that can happen that stop you from completing a swap on time or at all But when it's that one-on-one, someone is making something specifically for you following your answers to your questionnaire. And it means that you're going to get something, but then the person that you're making for is not, and that's not cool. So if something drastic happens and you have to drop out of a one-to-one swap, you just have to let the host know. Let them know as soon as you can they can arrange someone to fill your spot so that the other person doesn't miss out. And it's likely that if you don't send something, the host may arrange it so that your replacement receives the item that was going to you, which I think is fair. Or if you're just going to be a little late posting, they might have your partner hold off posting for the same amount of time as well. Now, because we don't want to delay the happy mail because happy mail is awesome. I have a few tips for helping you hit your swap deadlines. First, take note of where you need to send your swap. In the case of group swaps, the deadline is the date it needs to arrive to the host. And you also need to make note of where the host is located. For example, when you're sending a swap to me, I'm on the New South Wales Central Coast. So if you're in Sydney somewhere, your swap will probably get to me in one or two days. So you can actually cut it pretty tight to the deadline if you need to. However, if you live in Western Australia or Northern Territory, Far North Queensland, it's going to take longer. It could take a week, maybe more, depending what the post is like in your area. And in rural areas, it's just going to take longer. So be aware of how far away you are from the destination. If it's a one-on-one swap, oftentimes the deadline is actually the day you post to your swap partner, not the day it's due to arrive. This takes us back to the very first tip, read the instructions very carefully. So be aware of the due dates and set yourself a deadline for the day that you actually need to post it to get it there on time. My next tip is to start your swap early. Get it done early. Get it in the post fast. Do not give life a chance to trip you up. This has happened to me so many times and it happened mostly when I was signing up for multiple swaps per week. Sometimes I would lose track of due dates so I put a system into place to make sure everything made it to where it needed to go on time. I had checklists, a calendar with all my due dates and post dates. I just had to be a bit organised. As soon as the host confirmed the swap was going ahead, I would start so that I could pack and post before something came along to distract me. Again, we go back to the tip to read the instructions. Sometimes swaps don't go ahead, usually because there aren't enough people signed up. So make sure the host gives you the go-ahead and as soon as you get that go-ahead to start, then make it straight away. While you're waiting, maybe make a prototype so you can test out your designs, sketch it up, figure out what you're going to do, pick your papers, pick your colours and make your prototype. I love to make a prototype. It means that I've got something to copy from as I'm making things in an assembly line fashion for a group swap. And it means one is already done. Sometimes I'll send that extra one onto the host as a thank you. And if I'm hosting and I've made an extra, I'll hang on to it and then I can just add it to my card stash and I've got an extra one in there. Number three, workmanship. Here's the thing about being in a swap. It is about doing your very best work. I say all the time, A simple design executed well beats a complicated design executed poorly every single day of the week. Pick something that is within your current skill set and do it really, really well. There are so many ways that you can execute great workmanship. It's usually about paying attention to what you're doing. So let's say you're paper crafting. Make sure your lines are straight and your edges are clean, no fuzzy edges. Make sure things are stuck down straight and centred. Make sure that if you're stamping that you're not rocking the stamp when you pick up ink and when you stamp it down, because that can result in grungy bits around your stamped image. If you're sewing, make sure loose threads are tied off and trimmed. Make sure your piece is pressed. Make sure where seams are meant to be lined up, that they're lined up. And you don't need to spend a fortune. You can use what you have in your stash. Just make sure the materials that you're using are in good condition. If the cardstock is creased or torn or dirty or has inky fingerprints on it, that's not good. If your fabric is dirty or mouldy or has a hole in it, that's not great either. Use materials that are in perfect condition. Take the time to stitch straight lines, line things up, make sure no adhesive is showing, press your fabric, etc. Essentially, you need to submit something that you would be delighted to receive. This leads me into a very commonly asked question, and that is, can I join a swap if I'm a beginner? The answer is yes, you can. Now, understand that if you consider yourself to be a beginner, you might be nervous about joining a swap. But if you can execute the basics of good workmanship for your craft, then I would definitely encourage you to consider joining in. If you're a beginner swapper, So you've been crafting for a while, but you've never swapped before, and you're a bit nervous about what you're going to send in. And I get this question a lot as well. I know I'm always happy to take a look at it. If you've made your prototype and you're questioning whether it's good enough or not, and you want some feedback, just ask the host, whoever your host is. Let them know you're a bit nervous. It's your first swap and ask them if they're willing to take a look at your piece. Send them a photo and ask for some feedback then be prepared for actual feedback and suggestions. So if the host tells you it is wonderful and perfect as it is, you have to believe them. They're not lying to you, I swear it. They really mean it. I love it when people send me a picture of their prototype and a lot of the time they're being really super harsh on themselves because it's really good. The rest of the time, it's usually a small fix like straightening something up or centering the sentiment or maybe suggesting that you pop something up on foam tape for a bit of dimension. Maybe the piece is a little plain but some... Ink blending around the edges might give it more depth. It is very natural to be nervous about submitting your first swap. And I know that I personally am always happy to give some gentle, encouraging, honest, helpful feedback. And the other reason that it's great for beginners to join swaps is look, it's just a great experience. It's great fun. And I don't like beginner crafters to feel like they need to miss out. Let's say, for example, that you're interested in joining one of my card front swaps, but you're not quite sure. Well, I have a few things that might be helpful on the sign up sheet. There will be links to videos. The first one will be showing you how to make a card front, all the technical things, measurements, placement, that kind of stuff. The next will be how to pack it for the post. So go and check the videos out, any references that your host gives you. Check them out. You can look at it and decide whether you're ready to jump in. Maybe this time around you just want to watch and see what everyone else is doing and start percolating some ideas or maybe you are ready to join. Another thing that I highly recommend is look at the supplies you have and check out some tutorials using those supplies. Work with what you have. It's always good advice. Work with what you have and make some practice pieces. Also, don't be afraid to do some research while the swap signups are happening. And if you come up with a great design before signup is finished, then go sign up. It's about now. We should probably discuss the single most commonly asked question. What if I receive something that I don't like? Well, when it comes to swaps, unfortunately, that is a risk you take. You may get something that is not to your personal taste. Maybe it has colours you don't like or it's in a style that's not to your taste. Maybe it's an occasion or a theme that you don't have a use for. That is just the nature of swapping. These things can happen. It's more common in a group swap, but the bonus of a group swap is that there are items by a variety of makers and you're sure to find something that you do like. And look, if there is something that you don't really love or can't use, there are a few options. You can donate it to the Mother's Day stall at school, a local nursing home. Anyway, there are so many places you can donate handmade items. You could set up a little box on your sideboard at home or on your desk at work. If you're having a crafty day with friends, let them know they can take things from that box. If they like it or they have a use for it, same for work. Let your work colleagues know that they can just grab a card from the box if they need one. Bam. Problem solved for them and for you. Another thing you can do if nobody wants to take it off your hands, you you could dismantle it. If it's not snapped up by your kids or family or friends or colleagues, there may be some pieces on there that you can salvage and use on another project. And look, if it's something that is just incredibly bad, you do have my permission to throw it in the bin. I've got to tell you, I think only once, maybe twice in my 15 years of swapping have I binned anything and, and that's not too bad. The most important thing to remember is that there are people at all levels joining in a group swap. Be kind, be compassionate and remember we were all beginners once. Also, some people are doing this on a really tight budget, so they might not be using the abundance of embellishments that perhaps you would use, but there is going to be a use for this thing that you've received, and if that use is that it's donated, so be it. My top piece of advice here is, please do not go online and shame anyone for the work they put in. Not that I think you would, but I feel like it needs to be said. Don't post it to a group and say, "Ooh, look at this really awful card. It's disgusting. Oh, It's made really badly there is a person behind that card and online bullying and trolling is not okay. If you can't say anything nice, maybe don't say anything at all. When it comes to a one-to-one swap, it should be a lot less likely to happen. All of the one-on-one swaps I joined on Instagram were a lot more detailed and you actually fill out a questionnaire. That way you can note your likes and dislikes so the person who is making something for you can make an informed decision regarding their design choices. They know the colours, techniques, fabrics and styles that you like and you don't like the questionnaires also ask for your skill level, which you need to answer honestly, because you will be matched with someone at a similar skill level. If in doubt, ask the host to have a look at your creations, maybe on your Instagram feed, send them some photos and ask them to help you be realistic about how to answer that question. I have noticed sometimes people with amazing skills lack confidence and then people with very basic rudimentary skills are bursting with confidence. So if in doubt, ask. Having that list from the person you are creating for is incredibly helpful. Helps you ensure you create a piece that your swap partner will love. It also gives you a bit more confidence that the person who's creating a piece for you is going to make something that you're going to love. A good swap participant will read your list of likes and dislikes. Remember, number 1, read everything. And as a bonus, if they're really good, they'll go stalk you online by checking out the things you post on Instagram and Pinterest. So make sure that you provide them with plenty of inspiration. I like to create a Pinterest board, especially for my swap partner to check out. And I love it when the person I'm making for does the same. It just makes it so much easier When swap participants read all the details and take the time to create something they know the recipient is going to love, it seriously decreases the chances of disappointment when the final product is received. All that said, sometimes you get something you don't like. Now, that could be because the swap host has matched you with someone at a different skill level, or your swap partner has maybe overestimated their skill level. Another reason could be that your swap partner hasn't read the answers on your questionnaire and chosen to make something that they like instead of something that you would like. That's happened to me once. It was pretty disappointing. So I'm going to say it again. You need to read everything that the swap host sends you and then read it again and make sure you communicate with the host, especially if you run into trouble and do all your best work with materials in perfect condition. Now I've been pretty lucky. Out of all the swaps I've participated in, I've only had three bad experiences, which statistically I think is pretty impressive. So I'm going to walk you through them so that you can see some of the pitfalls and then we're going to go talk about the good stuff okay the first was dealing with some swap participants who were deliberately sending in poor quality work in order to receive nice things in return with pretty much zero effort on their part it was an unpleasant call to make but after finding out that they were selling the items on ebay i had to remove them from the swap group there is a difference between a beginner crafter sending in something that's not sophisticated and someone deliberately sending shoddy work. And it can be hard to tell the difference. This is where experience as a swapper and a host comes in very handy, and your detective and diplomacy skills are going to come into play. The second was a fandom swap on Instagram. It was one-to-one. I created an embroidered hoop for my swap partner. She created something gorgeous for her swap partner, and that girl was supposed to make and send to me but she did not. She received a beautiful handmade piece and I received nothing. This is another scam people run, joining a swap with no intention of ever sending something, only receiving. This is why hosts should be asking for progress shots and participants need to send them. That request is there to protect swap participants from this very scam. Now, sometimes it is a scam. It's deliberate. But other times, the person had something go wrong but didn't communicate with the host. Maybe they got embarrassed. They thought it's too late to fix it. This is why communication is important. When someone misses out and receives nothing after putting in weeks of work creating for someone else, it's really upsetting. It's, It's distressing. The third time was a bag swap on Instagram. In this instance, I did receive an item. But the person who created and sent it to me had made a couple of errors. She had overestimated her sewing ability on her form. So I was matched with someone at a very different skill level. Also, she didn't read any of the answers that I put on my form. So instead of custom making something that I would like based on my answers and the inspiration I provided, she stayed in her comfort zone and made something that she liked when this happens, it's disappointing. Although in my case, I was actually able to gift the bag to someone else who really loved it. So it didn't go to waste, but I still didn't have a bag. Sometimes you'll get burned. It's a risk that you take. You need to go into a craft swap knowing that this is a possibility. And if you do get gypped in a craft swap, it can be tricky to bounce back from because we put so much of ourselves into our handmade items. Sometimes you're going to get something you don't like. Sometimes you might just not get anything at all. And then you have to decide, is swapping for me or is swapping with this host for me? Look, if 100% of the people who signed up for swaps followed all of these tips, reading everything carefully, communicating effectively with the host and ensuring excellent workmanship, no matter how basic the piece, the craft swap world would be a better place. However, that teeny tiny number of dishonest and careless people continue to sign up now and then. So... How can you protect yourself from a dodgy swap experience? I say look for a host that provides a lot of information, asks for progress photos and communicates with swap participants regularly. A host like that is on the ball and is a lot less likely to put up with dishonest people and be able to recognize it early and that can minimize your chances of disappointment. However, swapping is like a lucky dip and we can't get the best thing every single time. So, we've talked a lot about being a good swap participant and how there is some responsibility on the hosts to make it a good experience for everyone. So, I think this segues nicely into how you can be a good swap host. Okay, if you are hosting one of these one to one swaps on Instagram, There is a big community of Swap hosts and they share information. Last time I checked, there was a blacklist actually, and it was huge. People who were deliberately turning in poor work or just not turning in anything at all, signing up under multiple accounts, getting nice things, not sending anything. People who did really shoddy stuff, they were all on this list. So if you're hosting a Swap, reach out to other Swap hosts and network with them to protect your Swap participants. It is my strong recommendation that you participate in a lot of swaps before you decide to host one. I mean, technically, there's no law against hosting if you've never been a swap participant. However, it is extremely beneficial to understand how the swap process works as a participant, before you host one, it's just good common sense. Now, if you have a friend who's been a swap host, have them walk you through it. Save the information that hosts send you as a swapper and use it as a base for setting down your own hosting parameters. You need to cover all bases, set down rules that protect your participants and stick to them, even if it makes the bad guys unhappy. Be aware of the things that can go wrong and address them before you even start so that you ensure success for everybody who's involved. As a host, you need to be very, very compassionate and diplomatic. If someone sends you a picture or a swap item, you can't just say, oh, that's awful. I'm sending that back. I mean, you could, but that'd be an awful thing to do be nice. Remember, this may be a beginner who's maybe never swapped before. The very first swap I participated in was a product swap. I had to bag things. I didn't read the instructions. I put a hundred eyelets in a bag and sent them to the host instead of bagging them in little baggies of 10. Oh my goodness. She was so nice to me and I remember that and it definitely set the tone for me in future swaps. And I became a better swapper <laughs> and and a, and I think a good host from being through that experience. You need to put on your diplomat hat and be compassionate and understanding that you've got people who are at different levels. The other thing you need to know is swaps take an enormous amount of time. Hosting a group swap is very different to hosting a one-to-one swap. Group swaps are very hands-on and you need to be aware that this whole process is going to take time. My top tip if you're hosting a group swap is to open every envelope as it arrives, take everything off the backing, check everything's correct. This can save you a huge amount of time during the swapping out process and you need to wait for every swap envelope to arrive and check in with those whose swaps you haven't received as the due date draws close just to make sure if they're on their way or not. In the swapping out process, you need space, plenty of space to lay out everything and then swap them all around. I like to lay everything out on my dining table in a circle and layer everything on top of the return envelope so that the process goes as smoothly as possible. And I always take a photo before I start because if I make a mistake while swapping out, and trust me, it happens sometimes, that helps me put everything back where it came from so I can start fresh. If it's a really, really big swap group, I may split it into two or three lots just to make the process less confusing. Once everything's been swapped out, the repacking begins. So all of those pieces need to go back onto the backing cardstock, into the bag, then into the return envelope. Before you seal it up, you've got to check, does it have sufficient post? If you need to add the spare stamp, if you don't need to pop that spare stamp back in, then you can seal them all up. But a word to the wise, never trust the envelope adhesive. Always tape it up. You may also need to put a return address on the back of the envelopes before you post them. I'm not sure why, but people usually forget to do that. Then you can put everything in the post and you're done. (sighs) Now, if you're hosting a one-to-one swap, it's a very different situation because you never physically handle the swap items. They go directly to the recipient because it's just one person sending to one person. But you're still going to have a lot of things that you need to do. You should be asking for progress photos and making sure you get them. If you have a large group, this is going to be time consuming. And if you get anybody who's not posting or sending those progress shots, not responding to messages, and you've got a decision to make, it may be prudent to get in touch with the person who's making for the non-responding swapper and just have them hold off sending to that person. You could go so far if you realize this person's just not going to send To redirect the item that's being made for them to go to the person that the non-responding swapper was making for. That way, nobody misses out. I do highly recommend a spreadsheet and setting reminders in your calendar so you can message everybody and check them off when they've hit their deadlines. You need to be really organized if you're going to be a great swap host. And I can't stress enough how important good communication is. There's another question that I'm asked, and this is one of the pros of swapping Does it cost anything to join a craft swap? The answer is no. Swapping is a free activity. I have never, not in 15 years, met anyone who's charged a fee to join a swap group. It's something that hosts do out of the love for the craft and for their community It's usually people who are super organized who love to host them, people who like spreadsheets and lists and coming up with fun activities and being the group coordinator. Now, while it doesn't cost anything to be a member of a swap group or join a swap, there are some expenses involved. The first is the materials that you use. Now, you don't have to go out and buy lots of new stuff, especially to make your swap. You can absolutely pull things from your stash. Assuming you've got things that are suitable for the theme or for the person that you're swapping with, pull things from your stash. Just make sure that they're in good condition. The other expense you'll come across is postage. In a one-to-one swap I've sent mini quilts and hoops to people in America and I've had to send them as a registered parcel. Hosts will always insist on registered because it needs to be tracked and you should send a photo of the parcel with the tracking on it to the host. So I snap a pic on my phone just before it goes at the post office. Now thankfully group swaps are usually smaller items and local post therefore much cheaper. It is usual for you to pay the postage to the host as well as return post. We don't want our hosts to be out of pocket financially because they're the ones who are facilitating the fun free activity that we get to participate in. And they're already donating a lot of hours of their time. The last question that I have been asked is, Dawn, why do you love craft swaps so much? Well, there are so many reasons. Sometimes I choose to join a practical swap. One of my favourite practical pieces is a needle book. Uh, the one that this girl made for me, has a cross stitch Wonder Woman on the front. I use it all the time. Card swaps are also super practical. It's just it's so nice to just make one card even though I'm making it eight times but then have eight different cards to add to my card box so I've got a bit of variety in there. But other times maybe it's not so practical like an embroidered hoop or a mini quilt. I mean you can't exactly keep warm with a mini quilt but oh boy they're really fun to look at and they're going to look amazing on the wall when I move into my new office. But I think the biggest reason that I enjoy swapping is because it is a fun way to physically connect with people in an online community. I have all these amazing online friends, some of whom I have never met in real life and some who I have and they're my very best friends. So it is fun to participate in a swap with them and receive something that they made, especially for me. It really is very special. Thanks so much for joining me in the craft room today. You can find links and other information about today's episode in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving a review on iTunes or Stitcher. I'd really appreciate that. I do hope you have a very crafty day and I will see you next time. Bye for now.